Bitcoin continues to pump in the face of a potential global economic meltdown. Japan going for more stimulus. We're seeing the global M2 supply rising, even though it's still falling in the United States. Are we seeing the world pivot here in the face of inflation fears and the fears of that global economic meltdown? I'm going to talk about this and more with Gary Cardone today. And of course, got chart guys on the back half. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. That's dope. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. I got a text from my wife like 20 minutes ago that said, bro, you need to chill and get off the Twitter. It's not your personal diary. Because I was going on one of my uh, rampage rants. She was like, that's not a good look. I'm like, no, that is a good look. You got to tell the people how it is. Got to tell them when they're being sheep, tell them when they're being nuts. So I, I could probably say, hey, I'm sorry for uh, my aggressive tone on Twitter today. Or I could just say, fuck you, deal with it. So I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with the latter one on that. Sorry, we're a little bit late today working through some technical details. Just give you a quick update because I told you yesterday, Misha, my, my producer, uh, apparently arrived at the U.S. border from Mexico and they decided they were going to deport him to Estonia. I have not heard from him now in a day and a half. So I'm YOLO flying by the seat of my pants, figuring it out by myself. Not that fun, but hoping he's okay. I literally haven't heard from him. Pretty pretty worried about that. Um, but I'm sure that uh, he's just in the midst of all the nonsense that goes with dealing with the United States government at this moment. I know that everybody's uh, very concerned about border security in the United States. Well, apparently they're very serious about uh, not letting Estonians into the country. So pretty messed up. I'm not sure if Gary's stuff is working, but we're going to try, man. I got a thumbs up, Gary. How's it going over there? Hey, buddy. I hope you can hear me. uh, I've had some great. Uh, You you sound great now. You sound great. And I like, I like the the side angle. It's very becoming. It's perfect. (laughs) So listen, people are going to be like, why, why is Gary Cardone here? Right? Like, why, why we want to talk about this? And I want to show them real quick on the screen your credentials. All right? Here it is. This is a Bitcoin chart. And I just cut a text that Gary sent to me right here. This is on, uh, it, it's on um, October 18th. Gary texted me, there are so few sellers. This motherfucker is going to go parabolic at some point. The next day I was at your house, actually. <laughs> the only yeah, time I've ever used candle. that word. <laughs> Gary's never used a bad word for, but if you're c- questioning uh, Gary's credentials, I'm not saying he's a trader predicting price, but he literally texted that to me right before this went parabolic. What was your feeling at that time? Listen, there was a lot of people saying, listen, Bitcoin, 28,000, we're going to be here forever. It's going to go down that part of the cycle. You text me, this thing's going up, man. And at some point happened to be within 24 hours. Supply and demand, buddy. Supply and demand. Uh, Every business, I've been doing business for 40 years since I was 25. Every business that I've gone into was based on supply and demand. And this is the most interesting supply and demand matrix I've ever seen. You have to believe this thing's going to go parabolic, dude. Like, I hate to even use that word because it's really not what this market needs. This market needs, like, you know, 
easy peasy, steady Eddie. Uh, I think it's not going to do that. I think it's going to be more like, you know, rip, come back, rip again, come back. It's going to be violent. Um, Cause I think some big players are getting ready to come into this space and they're going to move this market in ways we've never really understood. My, my concern, the, the reason I said that about ripping, like I've never seen a marketplace that has a liquidity issue like this. I think this is a really interesting, uh, I think people are going to write about this. Like the McKinsey's are going to do case studies on something we've never seen before like this. I mean, it reminds me a little bit about the, the hunt silver market uh, back in the, uh, I guess that was the eighties. Uh, this may turn out a little differently than the silver play did. So just no supply, man. I mean, how much floats on the market right now? Maybe a million? I, I, between supply uh, reductions on exchanges, although people can trade OTC, lost coins having, and the fact that we know that over 70% of coins haven't moved in, I think, over two years. I don't want to, that's not an exact uh, number, but it's yeah. roughly that. Yeah, there's nothing here. There's nothing to buy. I, you know, every time I've seen a market where there's nothing to buy, uh, it tends to go up. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sim sim simple supply and demand, as you said. But it's interesting because I think we've crafted these endless narratives, the four year cycle, uh, Bitcoin spot ETF, all of those things. You're really taking it down to the, the, the basics here. But do you think, listen, so we do need the increase in demand even with the reduction in supply, right? So even if there's no supply, if nobody's buying, it's not going to go up. Clearly there's demand here. So do you have a thought on where that demand is coming from? Is it this narrative about the Bitcoin spot ETF? Do you think BlackRock is starting to, you know, seed, seed their product? What do you think is going on here? Well, I think they've told us they're beginning to seed. I suspect they're doing that in the OTC market. Uh, probably through contracts. Uh, I wonder if, you know, there's been discussion about the ETF actually selling seats to the ETF. Uh, I wonder if that's not going to come in exchange with Bitcoin. That could be one of the ways, you know, they sell a seat to Anthony Scaramucci. Scaramucci puts in $10 million worth of Bitcoin. That's totally a hypothesis. Okay. I don't, I mean, I know Anthony, but I don't have any inside intel, but that would be one of the ways that you could load up the ETF, seed it, so to speak, without really affecting the, the liquidity in the market, right? That's on the market. I just, I think when people come to buy $5 million, what, what did uh, Sailor bought another, what, $5 million? Something like that, yeah. I mean, this is just going to continue, right? Uh, so when, when people want to pick up five, six, $10 million worth of, uh, crypto, and that's what these new players are going to do. They're not going to be buying half a coin, right? They're going to be buying, they're going to want to buy 50 coins at a time, 100 coins at a time, and start putting this in their PL. Uh, the question is going to be do they do it before the end of the year, or do they do it when their commissions next year get all reset, right? When do the traders want to start putting positions on? They're probably going to unwind all their shitty positions this year, take their losses in December and then reload up in January. So sometime between December and January, I got to believe we're going to see a move, man, a bigger move. Yeah. You talked about this MicroStrategy buys more Bitcoin as Q3 loss widens with the latest addition of Bitcoin to its balance sheet. MicroStrategy now holds approximately 0.75% of Bitcoin circulating supply. That doesn't count lost coins by the way. So he's they're, they're becoming one of the largest holders. 
of course. And they added 6,067 Bitcoin for 167 million. Total holdings, 158,400. Cost base is 29,586 per coin. He is way in profit now. Yeah. Way in profit. What, what's, what's his average cost base, did you say? 29,586. I mean, we're sitting at almost 36. We tapped 36,000 today. So, yeah. you know, we're talking about now up like 20%. Not, not a casual small number on that. I mean, we had narratives when it was at 20,000, he gets liquidated. MicroStrategy goes out of business. MicroSailor is going to be homeless, is going to have to sell his 15 yachts. Yeah. People are dumb as shit. They don't understand uh, how any of this works, obviously. But he's got to be just laughing. And it really shows you the power of having that low time preference, long time horizon saying, listen, I'm doing this for 10, 20, 30 years, 50 years, never selling. I don't give a shit if my P&L shows down or up this, this day or this week, right? Yeah, his look, his board is all in now. Like there is no going back for this guy. He's weathered the most, the worst part of the storm. I mean, my cost base is less than his. And I actually started, I started after him because I unloaded a bunch of Bitcoin to buy Node 40, which was an awesome tax, uh, tax strategy for me. But uh, I don't see him turning around. I actually see other carps. Once he got through the FASB rules, dude, he, he you're not pushing this guy this trade. Ain't no chance. No, no chance. He'll be the bellwether for the future, in my opinion, how corporates treat Bitcoin. And I think it's going to come from the employees. All the employees. I just ran a survey. Uh, 75% of the people that responded, if you ask the survey correctly, would find it a benefit if their employer facilitated very easy way for them to take part of their savings program and do a forced savings into Bitcoin. 75% of the people said they were, that would be a benefit. As soon as the employees, uh, as soon as the employers realize, hey, there's soft benefits they can offer employees that are valuable, they're going to do that. And once the finance team sees what Bitcoin's doing, because they're looking at it every day, I think you're going to see people start to look at the CFOs. Hey, let's take 3% and put it on our balance sheet or 1%. Because I think uh, MicroStrategy and some others are going to really outperform others uh, through this run. Right. And people not know, may not know that the reason we didn't see more companies following MicroStrategy, Tesla, Square was because of gap accounting rules. Right. You had to basically mark a loss at the lowest point Bitcoin traded during a quarter, which screwed up your entire earnings report having nothing to do with Bitcoin. Those laws are actually changing now. And one of the few things that we've seen the government do right. So now there's really no downside. You get to market to whatever the actual price is. You can get a gain rather than a loss, or you can be trading even, but there's no risk that you're going to constantly be taking a hit on your balance sheet and your earnings report every time you do this. And we still have some other unfavorable tax situations. You talked about employees taking Bitcoin. People might remember, might remember that in the last cycle, there were a lot of athletes like and celebrities, Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley. These guys took their salaries in Bitcoin. Those guys got absolutely annihilated. They took it at the top, paid full taxes on it, didn't sell the Bitcoin, and then the Bitcoin came down in value. So basically, they didn't get paid to be athletes. Right. If you do That's the math, right. if you pay, if you, if you dollar, if you got bit, paid in Bitcoin, Bitcoin was $60,000. You paid immediately 40% taxes on that in dollars and you didn't have to sell. And then Bitcoin goes down to 20. You've literally given up your salary and more by taking it in Bitcoin. That has to change for people to do this. 
Correct. Correct. For sure. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to take it. Like, this probably belongs in part of the savings program, right? But what, the thing, one of the things I like about Bitcoin for younger people is that it is a forced savings program, right? Uh, and I think that's a real benefit. People need to go back. I used to get a, if I got a bonus for, you know, performance one year, I would only sell, I would only use 10% of my bonus, uh, Scott, uh, for nefarious things. I'd go buy myself a gift and then I'd take 90% of that bonus, put it in a savings plan. I see that being repeated in the future into Bitcoin. It just requires some discipline. And I like that. Hey, I'm not going to go access my Bitcoin to sell it to buy a car, right? Why would I do that? Yeah, but do we live in a world where people have discipline anymore? That, that's the question. Uh, you know what? I, you know, I think yeah. they're getting ready to. See, when discipline all falls apart, like, you know, we were talking about what's the purpose of this call today. Like, this world is falling apart, okay? At every level of the world. The Fed's trying to go direct. They're going to try and break up commercial banks. Commercial banks are going to go to war with the Fed. You got the largest merchants in the world trying to go direct because they're not being served well, right? There's so many intermediaries. We have, we're at war on what? Three continents. Uh, we have seven companies that hold up the entire stock market on this future AI world, which I think is going to be a lot longer than we think. And uh, we have Bitcoin sitting out here, okay? We have an education system that's completely destroyed. The mainstream media is getting disrupted by the moment through all these new uh, distributed platforms, centralized platforms using decentralized guys like you and me, right? Millions of us. So we are in a paradigm shift, I think, that's, uh, that, that we should actually be grateful that Bitcoin's here to bridge into the future because I think it's actually a bridge. Uh, and at 35,000, I mean, we're test, we're, we're going to test 35,000 today and see if it holds. I, I, I am grateful that I've been given a year to be able to buy in the twenties, 27s, thirties, 35s. Uh, I think this is a gift that people will turn around and really, it's going to be a FOMO, but it's going to be fucked up, missed out. <laughs> Yeah. FOMO. FOMO. Yeah. And listen, I mean, when you, you take a look, you kind of talked about the world going to hell in a handbasket. You and I have talked about this before, obviously, on spaces. Like, I like to take a more optimistic view and say that now is a better time to live than ever before. But within those microcosms of time, right, on a very long timeline, I mean, I think it's very clear that we'd rather live now than in the 1860s or the 1400s or the uh, 2000 BC, right? Because of the advancements in science and generally uh, things moving in the right direction. But you have these periods of 10, 20 years where things can get bad. And I think the, the pendulum swings very hard in one direction. You talked about how fucked up it is right now. Listen, we talk about liquidity right now. Bitcoin's going up. So is global liquidity now, actually. I was surprised to see this because US liquidity, obviously, M2 money supply in the United States has been dropping. But we're seeing things like this. Japan's Kushida unveils stimulus packages, support sags. This guy literally is so audacious and thinks that his citizens are so stupid <clears throat> that they're going to do $113 billion in stimulus and he's calling for it as a answer to inflation. He wants to cure inflation by $113 million stimulus. That might ring uh, familiar for people here when we had the Inflation Reduction Act and U.S. business investment in the United States. And you read literally the first line from the Treasury of what the Inflation Reduction Act is. 
and it's a the largest climate investment in U.S. history. It's literally trillions in spending on climate change that they just threw the name Inflation Reduction Act on, right? So it, it's like they're robbing people in plain sight now. They're not even trying to hide it. That's my point, right? They're, they're just testing you to see if you're actually this stupid. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the government's pretty much uh, assumed that the people are not going to protest which I find amazing because I think there's a lot of protests going on. There's protests going on YouTube, protests going on Twitter, protests going on in London, in the streets. And there's a lot of voice, a lot of uh, upset. Uh, so this only gets resolved if it gets resolved and the governments offer uh, real solutions uh, to, to the world. I, and I don't see any of these politicians doing that. Uh, on either often. side. Really? Oh, I saw one of your posts earlier. I don't even think it matters anymore. These people are all the same. They fall in a bucket called professional politicians. That that's I've given them 50 years. OK, they, they have they have not done their job. So we need a new order. Uh, maybe we need a new world order. Maybe, you know, Bitcoin offers. I mean, if, have you seen the Justin Timberland uh, thing from Fidelity today? No. Let's see if I can find it. It's, uh, I mean, he's really, Fidelity is really pushing that Bitcoin is a gold. We should be looking at Bitcoin as digital gold. And, and, this is uh, hilarious. I, I, I went to look it up, but I got uh, J- Justin Timberlake signs infidelity clause granting Jessica Biel everything if he cheats. So that's clearly not the story that we were looking for. <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, no, no. on that on that end, though, what, what, a, what, a, what a wuss. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was not the, uh, not the story. Uh, well, we'll find it there. Um, that's really funny. Uh, so, yeah, if you can find that, send it over to me. But, yeah, I, I mean, listen, there are some of these institutions, and I know that you, you're a big fan of actually the institution, institutional adoption, cleaning up this space, making it more reputable. You've got to be cheering, personally, the efforts by the Fidelities and the Black Rocks and everyone in this space, right? Yeah, look, I think that you, you, in order, if you want adoption, all these guys got to come to the table. Okay, they have to come in. We can't say we want adoption, but uh, BlackRock can't play. We don't like BlackRock. BlackRock's got a bad reputation. Guys, we have to grow up here, okay? In order for this world to use Bitcoin, it's going to go through the largest banks in the world. They are going to get a piece of this. Like that's how distribution occurs. So all we have to want, worry about is, is Bitcoin as great as we said it was? If it is, we shouldn't be concerned. Right? Yeah. We should not be concerned. What we should be is everyone should get a piece of this action. Really? I, I don't. Yeah, we shouldn't be concerned, but we should be pushing the hell out of this to get other people into it. Because you know that like anything else, that's a life raft. If that ends up being the case, 99.9% of people are going to miss it. But, but, you know, Scott, that's true of everything. Pe- people, you, you can't, you can't blame technology for not having, giving people access to information. If people have, become so robotic in their, you know, study of what's really going on, they deserve to fall behind. This is the way markets work. Um, I don't, like, there's no, how do you fix that, right? So people learn through, I've learned so many, you, you talk about all the mistakes you've made. 
I've learned through my mistakes. Me too. So if you didn't give me the mistake, I probably wouldn't have learned it. So I, it's just, dude, this is evolution, right? You're either going to be smart enough to understand this. I mean, my brother's not big into this space, even though I am. And, you know, some of the noise bothers him. Some of the mixed messaging this industry gives uh, people. Bitcoin is the safest asset in the world. People lost four million coins. Like, hey, man, which is it? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. They, they, uh, most of those coins were lost when uh, we didn't have any sort of sophisticated solutions to store them. Uh, you think about how many were lost in 2010, 2011 on crappy old computers without uh, real wallets written down on paper. Yeah. But it's a fair, listen, it's a fair criticism. And listen, that's a great segue to the next thing I want to talk to you about before we let you go. You probably saw this Safe Moon executive team charged with multiple fraud counts, arrests made. Right. So for your average person who thinks SafeMoon is Bitcoin or thinks it's all the same because they don't understand that there's nuance and these are completely different. They see things like, you know, stool president or Dave Poitner or whatever two years ago on TV saying he's the president of SafeMoon pumping the hell out of this thing. Listen, he was doing it jokingly. I'm not begrudging him that, but I'm saying these guys are literal frauds. They're now in jail. I think we both agree that cleaning up the space is really important. But it's also optically just really a hard challenge to tell someone, hey, put your savings in Bitcoin, but also these scams are ripping and we've got Pepe and Doge and meme coins left and right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, and I think the industry, this is my point about self-regulation. We know who the bad actors are. Stop supporting them. OK, the, it, it's like me coming into your house and I. I don't even have the decency to go to your bathroom. I'm just going to go behind the couch. Like if I, it, right? I, mean, I did that in your house, Gary. I'm sorry. Don't bring that well, up, man. Come on. We cleaned it up very quickly. Uh, <laughs> we're used to people like you coming over here and messing shit up. I, I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But he did leave some Bitcoin, so it, it was fine. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, if we police the system a little bit better and, and uh, not without becoming tribal, okay? This is a hundred trillion dollar industry. It's going to employ millions of people. The thing I think people don't ever talk about, it's going to employ millions of people that don't need an education to come into this industry. You can actually get mentored, educated by the people that are building companies. That will be the best employees in this space. Uh, people that are coming with a blank sheet, not, not, no legacy. So if you want an industry that can, you know, hire millions of people, I think that's probably good for the for the U.S. economy and the world economy. Uh, real jobs, real industries, creating really efficient platforms that aren't carrying all the legacy baggage that makes them charge huge prices. Uh, that's the problem, right? We're having to pay accelerated margins because of the overhead and the legacy baggage that's being carried into this new world. Uh, the new world is going to be asset light, very uh, software heavy, right? Asset light, software heavy. I like that phrase. I've never used that before. Um, and, and I think it's going to be around Bitcoin. Um, so it's a hell of a lot easier to move around. That's for certain. I could, couldn't agree more with all the sentiment, guys. It, Gary, we got to have you back. Uh, I think we could do a couple more hours. I know, guys, we have done a full podcast. You can just Google that and see Gary and I have obviously uh, talked quite a bit before. Also, please make sure to follow him at Gary Cardone 
on X. Before I let you go, though, like, give me the two-minute version of all the things you're now doing in this space. So I haven't even caught up with you about it. I obviously know about Node, but I see your presence is obviously growing massively. Yeah. Can I, can I just, do we have time for me to read this Jury and Timmer yep. thing? Yeah. Uh, sure. Oh, it was Jury and Timmer, my favorite. Yeah, we've had yeah, it. I love him, man. Yeah. Uh, this is Fidelity. Okay. Director of Global Macro at Fidelity Investments. They've been amazing. in this space for 10 years, pouring a tr- tremendous amount of money and intellectual capital in this space. November the 1st, Timmer took the social media platform X to share his perspective on the cryptocurrency's trajectory Echoing his late 2020 thesis, Timmer began his disclosure by highlighting Bitcoin's recent momentum. He posed a reflective question to his audience, inviting them to consider the implications of the pattern over the last five years. He says, describe Bitcoin as a commodity currency, love that term, with aspirations of becoming a recognized store of value offering protection against monetary debasement. He went on to liken Bitcoin to exponential gold, exponential gold, suggesting that while gold is indeed a form of money, its practical limitations hinder its use as a medium of exchange. Instead, gold's primary role has been a store of value characteristics that lead to comparisons to Bitcoin. So he, he, they are all in on this. They see where this is going. He, he furthers the conversation to add, the, the October 25th meeting with Druckenmiller and Paul Tudor Jones. I know both guys that you really admire. Uh, and they are both now, uh, talking Bitcoin. So I don't know how many r- green flags we need for. I mean, you got, you place. got those two guys. You got El Arian this week. You got, uh, Larry Fink on TV Given calling it a flight to quality. You got totally. the SEC could capitulate here on a. On an ETF, man, it's go time. I agree with you, man. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Do it again, Thank soon. you, buddy. Looking right, forward man. to being in this industry. It's going to be a wild ride. Thank you, man. It's about, to get, it's about to get serious over here, man. Thank you for everything you do. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Ciao. All right, man. Glad we uh, worked through the technical issues there at the beginning and my producer list issues. Time to bring on Dan, who doesn't care if we have a producer or not, because he knows exactly what he's doing every week and, and doesn't uh, doesn't need to work through our technical issues. How are you, man? Everything going good today? Good. Yeah, I actually had some headphone issues, but able to sort yeah. it out. <laughs> it, it's it's something in the air. My wife tells me it's Scorpio season, but uh, I'm, yeah, astro- I'm not an astrologer person. Yeah, the moon's by the uh, Uranus or whatever. Um, so... What are you looking at today? We've had uh, quite quite a bit of action uh, on Bitcoin, I guess, since we last spoke, right? So, uh, so what are you looking at? Yeah, for me, it's a, a simple guide. I always like looking at a chart and finding a time frame where I can just make a simple statement. And for me, it's the Bitcoin 12-hour chart. And I want to say, okay, since this move started, since we got the momentum going, we have not lost the 12-hour EMA 12 the entire time. So my mindset is if that level's holding, nothing's changing. The bulls have control. If we lose that level, that's my first indication. Okay, things are shifting a bit from what they have been the last couple of weeks. And that makes me open to, all right, maybe it's time for some weekly consolidation. But I don't even have to consider weekly consolidation if that level is support. So that's my guide for the next however many days that it holds. And we're currently, as as we just was just mentioned, we're back testing now the previous resistance level. Just over 35,000 was a tough level to get through. We got through it and now we're back testing it. And so bulls would love for a four hour higher low to form this morning. 
holding 35,000, set that higher low. Uh, but again, it all depends on what time frame you're looking at. And for me, it's the 12 hour from a swing trade perspective. I don't think there's anything negative on any higher time frame right now, unless you're like a maximalist about overbought conditions on certain time frames with RSI or something. But usually that just leads to the consolidation that you're talking about that maybe we're seeing here. I mean, I've had this same four hour chart, right? That 35 exactly aligning with what you're saying. For me, when we were in here, it was a uh, O below 33. Maybe we go back to that 31.8 level, but above 35, it's seemingly clear skies, and we've now broken above that. And so, you know, unless these retests start to fail, I, I mean, I 100% am aligned with you. I mean, to me, right now, it looks good on every time frame, right? I mean, you go all the way down, and it's clearing, clearing levels and back testing them. Which, by the way, Bitcoin doesn't always give you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it tends and- to go away and not give you the dip. So, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. And just a note on RSI, because a lot of people misuse it, but it's so important for my trading and has been for so many years. It's you use it in context of the trend. So overbought RSI, when you're in downtrends, you know, monthly, weekly, daily downtrend, you use overbought RSI to short because you're just looking for a lower high, you know, four hour RSI getting overbought in a daily downtrend. You look for the daily lower high to shape up there. But when you're in a bullish momentum, bullish uptrends, you don't look for overbought to short. You can look at RSI and say, oh, it's overbought. I'm not going to buy up here. I don't like the risk reward. That's perfectly fine. But, you know, the useful RSI for us now is oversold short term. So, you know, if, if we have a coin that's breaking out and we're looking for a pullback and an hourly higher low, we look for five minute oversold. So, again, if you're using RSI, you just have to ensure that it's in the right context of the price level trends. And right now we are in uptrends on, you know, monthly, weekly, daily timeframe. And so we use the overbought to look for entries for longer term, higher lows. Yeah, here's a, here's a great example I keep bringing up. This is the weekly chart on Bitcoin, obviously. And I've circled it to a few more in the past, but it hit overbought right here in October of 2020 at roughly $11,500 on the way to 65000 into overbought. On a large time frame, like a weekly, when you're breaking out and you're hitting overbought, that's generally the power zone. Right, you don't get there that often in the weekly, so it's rare that you would just tap and not make it. And we're just hitting overbought right now there on the weekly. So to me, goes back to something you and I literally discussed last week. We and I want to get into it. We said looking for dips to buy on Bitcoin and looking for rips to sell on stock market. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's that's the way it's been. I mean, again, I keep saying how this is the first time in, in my six years of watching both very closely together that I can remember the sentiment being this disjointed between the two, uh, where you know it's, it's easy to explain why Bitcoin and crypto rips in a very bullish market environment where everybody's throwing money at anything. Uh, but this is the first time that I can remember where people are throwing money at crypto when they're not willing to do so in many places, most places in the stock market. And the stock market has recovered significantly the last few days. And, you know, Huge I'm looking- gap up right now. I'm actually looking at it just opened and like QQQ gapped up four or five points. Yeah, uh, I'm, yields I'm looking- are, Yields are getting punished. SPY gapped up big time over the 200 daily. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, movement up right now. I, I'm at a point right now. And again, the the, the stock market is broken up in a, in a sense that, you know, we know the, the seven names are, are huge factors. And but I'm at a point where the Nasdaq bears have to prove to me that this is not a monthly bull flag. And, you know, we if you just show me this chart, doesn't matter what time frame it is to to see this kind of a bull move and to consolidate and hold the EMA 12. There are no red flags on this monthly chart for the Nasdaq for me. 
in any way, shape or form. Now, other places in the market, there's a lot of weakness. You know, IWM, growth names, they're very weak. SPY is not as strong as the NASDAQ. But again, just from this perspective, you go to Microsoft, Microsoft is trying to shape up a monthly bull flag. So uh, I'm, I'm staying agile in terms of my assessment of the market. But uh, again, there's there's times when you can just have one assessment of the market and it fits crypto, it fits stocks. And and we're not in that point right now. You got to you got to shift your perspective. I mean, I'm real bullish crypto, but I'm you know not bullish growth stocks. And uh, again, that's that's fairly new in my six years of following. Yeah, I mean, you just talked about IWM. I'm pulling up the chart right now, which is also the it was obviously, obviously guys is the Russell 2000. Oh, I've got the wrong uh, screen shared. One second, Russell 2000. So I was talking about this the other day on Market Mavericks with Garrett Soloway. We're saying, listen, this thing is right at support though in this range, right? If you pull out. It was at the bottom. I'm not saying it's going to hold this range or not, but when we're talking about overbought and oversold, we had a ton of stocks, including some of those big names with bullish divergence forming, hitting oversold RSI, sitting at support. So I was not, honestly, I was not believing it necessarily, but we're seeing the bounces off of all of those as we often do, right? Yeah. Even, my, I, own, even my own system, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For IWM, that was the last line of defense, uh, and if, if and that level can still break, you know, a week or two down the line. But that's right. If that level breaks, uh, that's a long term. This is the three month time frame, so I mean, that's a really long term downtrend confirming if that level breaks. So the bulls are playing some defense, and you can see here the previous resistance now trying to act as support. Uh, but that that is a very important level here in the short term, and and pretty much you got the Nasdaq on the the stronger side, and you got IWM on the weaker side, and and everything else is you know somewhere in between that spectrum. Yeah, I don't remember a time uh, in past markets trading where it was such a small number of names that were really pulling an atlas and carrying the entire thing on their back. It's pretty crazy, and because and we literally just saw like when those even flinched a bit with earnings last week it had a very, very large impact on everything. Yeah, it's it's the paradigms keep shifting. And, you know, old school, your your flight to, to safety would be XLU and, you know, these defensive sectors. And yet we're seeing big tech, these, these seven names act as defensive almost. That's where, you know, people are putting their money and, and potentially for the AI possibilities going forward, forward future looking things here. But uh, things are shifting a lot. I mean, I keep saying it. The last three years, the fundamental narratives and so many things are being turned upside down in terms of, you know, wait a second, gold wasn't a great play for extremely high inflation. And, and it might be turning around now. I'm definitely watching the metals very closely into 2024. But uh, again, it's just it's just the world is changing and things are shifting. And my favorite phrase is this isn't your grandpappy's market anymore. And uh, we have to stay agile to adapt as things shift. There's also something rare that's happening right now, which is we have one of those uh, moments that doesn't happen very often where it seems like a consensus trade was right. And that's TLT. I'm one of the people who joined the uh, herd on TLT and jumped massively into it because I saw this way oversold conditions. There was this sort of irrational yield at 5%. They're going to 8% talk happening. I just looked at this, saw it massively oversold with bullish divergence on our RSI. I've been long TLT since way down here around 83, but then you even pull up the weekly and you have bullish divergence right here, a higher low in RSI with lower lows on price in oversold weekly RSI, right? So this is one of those things where actually I think the crowd was right saying, hey, I mean, this is getting irrational. We saw a ton of money pouring into TLT. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, yesterday was my first uh, buy of TLT this year, uh, and it was I got my my trigger as far as I want the bulls to prove something. So you you had some confidence to go in during weakness. I needed to see some proof, and uh, yesterday I got it. So certainly a nice day today. Uh, but you know, there's still a ton of work to do here as well. Weekly bounce is underway. My game plan is to take a little bit of profit into weekly EMA 12, try and get risk-free where I can just stick my stop under the low and I either hold it long-term or stop out and don't lose a dollar. And that's generally how I approach uh, longer-term mindset swing trades. Anything else you're specifically looking at today? I, I mean, uranium is still strong. CTJ is the major Crazy. player there. And uh, it had earnings with a bullish reaction. And so here, here and now today, we are testing 17-year highs. So anything that you know is is on the verge of 17 year highs or blue sky breakout that's where the opportunity is for price discovery where things get going and uh you know uranium is definitely up there uranium and gold i mean things try and find sectors that are closer to either all time highs or multiple decade highs there's not a lot of things out there and uh those two names definitely keep standing out yeah I, that it's crazy to me i literally remember like probably 17 years ago, getting caught up in uranium mania alongside all of my friends. And it's taken this long to get back to the highs. We all lost a ton of money Two when to all the uranium. Five. Yeah. When all the uranium hype kicked in, it must've been in like, yeah, 2006 ish. Right. I mean, I'm just, I haven't even looked at the chart, but I'm looking at it now with yours. We were, I was completely FOMO'd in at the top of uranium in the last cycle. I mean, how much more proof do you need that that this is all human emotions and that it repeats itself? I mean, this is a crypto chart. This is, you know, what crypto does. And there's so many places you can find that in markets where you get the euphoria and then things get way ahead of themselves. And then you get the major retracements, but there's still opportunity there. And then the recovery and, you know, uranium's just going through that cycle. But on a longer, the thing that was so unique about crypto is how fast these things have been playing out where, you know, this happens in many other places, but it takes a decade or two, whereas crypto does it in a, a couple years. <laughs> couple days with some of these things, it seems. Yeah. yeah, absolutely nuts. I mean, have you been looking at the altcoin market at all, or is it uh, just oh, yeah. really, uh, yeah, oh, what yeah. are you looking at? Uh, you know, I mean, Sushi, I was stunned that Sushi, you know, Sushi had its classic blow off top yesterday, but, uh, and again, this was the kind of move that you see in a raging bull market, and I was stunned that after this five-minute climax candle from yesterday, that we still held, you know, normally on a climax top like that, where you shoot up, you know, 20% in 10 minutes or whatever it is, you then give a ton back and start confirming downtrends. Whereas Sushi, you know, held on initially and found a, a price acceptance still 45% up on the day. And, you know, now that's rolling over a little bit more significantly, but it's just a testament to uh, the, the confidence that has been building in the crypto space the last couple of weeks. And again, it's, it's, you know, it's time to be a bit cautious just in the sense that you, know, you have to determine now on your altcoin holdings, are you going to sit through weekly consolidation or not? And if the answer is no, then you want to be walking stops up and you want to be protective because again, we, there's, the market has shifted right now where a lot of people are on one side of the boat. You know, there's a ton of longs, there's not a ton of shorts right now. And so we just have to ensure that you know, we have our game plans and uh, remind ourselves, oh, yeah, the music does stop. We do pull back 20% on daily consolidation. So uh, we need to establish a game plan, whether we're locking in all our profits or trying to let some position ride longer term. Yeah, now I'm going to look. Uh, one of them, I, I think we're just getting into that uh, narrative zone, you know, where you get like oh, everything DeFi or everything NFT or anything metaverse. Right now you have Solana leading 
in the L1 space, right? So you had this massive Solana move into their conference breakpoint. Now I think Near went up like 40 or 50% uh, yesterday or whatever. And they have NearCon, which is coming like this week. Another L1 going into their conference where we see these things pop. It's like now I'm just going to go start looking up what layer ones are uh, coming into conference season and, and choose them. Right. So, I mean, I like right now, I, I like HBAR. I wrote about it in my newsletter today just because it's another layer one that's coming into a resistance. It seems like it hasn't gone yet. It's not overbought and, and might fly. I mean, it's really becoming that easy again, which I find just crazy. You can see it kind of here. It, it hasn't popped yet. Well, it actually did pop, but I'm looking for something like that, a move like that. But you can see this is one of the few that's not overbought, hasn't really run that big. I think we're getting to that point where you can start to look for things in a bucket and just see what hasn't moved and rotate. Yeah, I mean, I think I honestly, we've been in that that standpoint for the last week or two. I yeah. think it's time to start being cautious. Uh, and Bitcoin did just flush through that 35,000 attempt ah. here. And so again, it's just, again, you look at the weekly chart, just remind yourself, weekly consolidation will be inevitable. And uh, just, again, establishing the game plans for that. Uh, and, and for me, it's the 12 hour. I will be back mostly to cash when Bitcoin loses the 12 hour EMA 12 and anticipating that some weekly consolidation will come from there. So again, we just know it's euphoria. We're not in blue sky breakout. So we just have to ensure that we're not getting too caught up in the euphoria and just, again, walk those stops up and just have that game plan. We know weekly consolidation is going to happen, whether it happens this week or in two weeks, we can't say. Every day we're going to get more information to help us determine probabilities. But uh, again, we just don't want to get all in FOMO mode now. We want to stay level-headed as always. Agree, man. Well, thank you as always for your perspective, guys. Follow Chart Guys on X. Check out his YouTube. The same things I tell you every week. Dan, thank you, man, so much. It's always a pleasure to have you here every week. Thanks, Scott. See you next time. All right, buddy. Have a good one, guys. That's all I got for you today. Uh, I found out this morning that Nathaniel Whittemore is away. You're going to figure out what to do tomorrow. It will not be the Friday Five with him. Maybe I'll find somebody else as a guest to do the Friday Five with. Uh, I also need to find a producer uh, to help. So glad we're making these shows work because I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I'm a complete boomer when it comes to the tech. I don't know how to make a thumbnail, dude. Are you kidding me? My thumbnails suck anyways because I don't do this. You know, Some of you probably just uh, took a screenshot of that and are going to make a thumbnail of my face. Anyways, if you do that, I hate you and don't watch tomorrow. Uh, I will see you though tomorrow one way or another. We're going to make so something work. Hopefully it will be a Friday five with myself and guest to be named. See you guys tomorrow and see you on Twitter spaces in about 25 minutes. Peace. That's dope.